0: If you haven't already, sign up for my weekly newsletter. Along with receiving updates about each new episode, you will also get one actionable insight every Saturday to boost your career, fund a startup. My newsletter is value-packed authentic and full of unique insights. This newsletter is also the best way to join our growing community of climate investors. We found that building a community is probably the ultimate force multiplier, and it gives us the momentum we need to create profound change. Let's share and collaborate. I'm just here to empower you to get started and set you on a path to success so our collective ideas can flourish and expand. Come join us to drive huge impact. Welcome to Climate Insiders, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Europe's climate tech revolution, brought to you by Clementum Capital. I'm Johan Bernot, a general partner at Clementum, and I'll be your host. In each episode, I'll have one of Europe's top founders and investors, and we will try to understand how they think about climate, what has led to their success, and what are the best insights they can share with you to accelerate your climate journey. There will be a lot of terrific guests on this show, and we won't shy away from spikes, secrets, and contrarian views. To make sure you don't miss out on any episode and access all the insights, you can subscribe at climateinsiders.co Hey guys! On today's show we have Benjamin Kaiser, a former French rugby international with a 16-year long career he played 47 games with a french national rugby team and hundreds in the french and english championships today benjamin is a renowned commentator of international rugby games on tv both in france and the uk his voice is easily recognizable by all rugby fans but more relevant to this podcast benjamin is the co-founder and partner at timpact ventures a venture capital fund that specializes in human capital Quartz the thesis is the idea that human capital, like in sport, is a central ingredient of sustainable success. Timpact is an active investor in sustainability and climate tech. Benjamin is a charismatic and inspiring guy. He's the living proof that the reconversion of former world-class athletes into VC is possible and can be very successful. We will discuss why top athletes and venture capitalists aren't that different after all. The elements of competition, the unstoppable drive, and the performance are central to both. We will dig into TeamPack's model and their people's score to assess startup teams before making investments and why it might very well be the future of VC. And we will explore the role that top athletes can play after retiring from their busy sport career and continue being super helpful to society. Let's jump right into it, Benjamin. It's a delight to have you here. Welcome to Climate Insiders.
1: Thanks a lot, Johan. Uh, truly pleased to be
0: with you. Before we get into the nitty gritty of investing in climate, and we have to start talking about you, and your path from rugby to venture capital. You had a very successful rugby career. Congrats, and now. You have decided to stay away from uh, the world of rugby. You could have become a TV consultant, a coach, a club manager. Why did you get into investing and VC?
1: Well, thanks for the introduction. Uh, Thank you for the compliments. The the reality is that I fell in love with rugby because it's the ultimate collective sport in my mind. And I was absolutely addicted to an idea of a sensation, at least, of individual flow. Which is, you know, when you get to the pinnacle of your of your craft, and and that's why my ambition and and drive push me to professional sport and to highly competitive sport. But the collective sen- sensation of flow that I am completely addicted to, when you manage to to bring that to to a collective level, it is just second to none, and. I was always really impressed, not so much by by the technique, but by the mental toughness, by the charisma of big leaders that are surrounding my team, by our collective capacity to overcome any obstacles. And so when I finished in in June 19, I wanted to take the best out of what I learned, but also bring it to a a different sphere. And I wanted to be legitimate. So I went to the Said Business School um, in the University of Oxford to do an executive MBA. In which, because I wanted basically to be legitimate enough in the world of business to, to have an element of choice, which for me would have been highly luxurious, you know, to decide whether I wanted to stay in rugby or, or do something completely different. And in it, I was exposed to private equity and, and one of its arm, which is venture in, in, in one single sentence, you know, was really sold to me, which was bet on the um, always bet on the jockey, don't bet on the horse. And that really, truly appealed to me because I was once again, in an element where people matter where leaders matter, where founders matter, and where their mental capacities and their capacity to bring a collective together will be an absolutely key element of success or failure. And that really appealed to me. And to a world like I'm not going to teach you that venture, you feel that you're creating the world of tomorrow. And that is super exciting and, and, and really was taking the best of what I what I know and applying it to a, a different arena. So that's how I got into venture. This is why I'm enjoying this 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 new world for me uh, more and more every day. Um, and and it's sort of this is the birthplace also of, of team pack ventures. Is to use the best of sport to bring it into technology to build a better world. Let's say.
0: Let's talk about team pack ventures. Great segue. Could you briefly describe for those that don't know you what do you focus on sectors, geography, ticket size.
1: So we're, we're the People First um, VC. We consider or we concentrate our thesis on the intentionality of People First Mindset at founders. We consider that thriving human capital is going to be the central ingredient of sustainable success. And we use the best of sports, whether it's elite sportsmen or the best practices of the sporting winning dynasties to literally boost that, that People First Mindset within those companies. So initially, we were industry agnostic. But actually, by concentrating on people first founders, well, then eventually people first founders have always got either their mission or the way that they behave, an idea of impact, whether it's climate or sociological. And that was sort of the way that we created uh, TeamPack. So at the moment, we concentrate on club deals, series A, series B, ticket size between one and three million euros, uh, European geography uh, overall, uh, industry agnostic, but concentrating 50% of our investment in circular economy and climate tech because that was basically a consequence of focusing on on all those founders. And we also realized, because we're backed by a lot of sportsmen, that those are the companies that the sportsmen want to back more and more Mm -hmm. because they want to use their influence and power, their, their capital, but also their individual capacities, which I think is the true gold in all those athletes who they are as people, who they are as competitors. This is where they can truly, truly help uh, the tech founders. Um, and they also want to have a, an impact. So we then shifted and we're go- raising a
0: more traditional fund, which is going to be completely 100% impact. And you do have a bit of an unusual LP base. So the investors is backing you. Let's, let's speak about the role of of athletes you come from that world but you also have surrounded yourself with by athletes that invest through you into startups why are they increasingly drawn to invest investments and and startups these days is it just a temporary cool trend is does it come and go or is it here to stay
1: I think it's 100% here to stay. And actually we did in two phases. So first we started by club deals. And so we actually needed what we called founding LPs, but technically just investors in us as a a management company uh, who would believe in that thesis. And we tried to look for the best examples of successful athletes that made that transition. Stéphane Caron, an Olympic medalist, is MD at BlackRock. Franck Riboud, the former chairman of Danone, uh, son of the creator of the Danone group, uh, is is a, a windsurfer. Um, and, and we have many, many examples of that, but the, to the point where Nikola karabachic was a handball, um, uh, champion, probably the most, the highly, the most highly recommend, um, uh, uh, how do you say that, uh, recompense well, the, the guy rewarded. who got the most medals yeah. but rewarded athletes yeah. actually in 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 french uh, in french sports uh Thierry meyer and obviously i have a lot of of rugby mates that came along so we had to invest in those guys who believe in the thesis but now now once that the deals are there and that the the more traditional fund is getting is coming raised we're opening up to more and more sportsmen i realized that for me it's a trend that's here to stay 100 percent because venture really has an unparalleled um, similarity with elite sport. For me, entrepreneurs are the the sportsmen of the real world. They need to fall on their faces 20 times and get back up. They need to be obviously resilient. They need to have drive. They need to be charismatic enough to bring people along them. And they need to be super comfortable in the uncomfortable. Well, what I just described to you is 100% everything that I lived in 16 years of professional rugby. And this is why it appeals so much. You're going to kill the imposter syndrome of incredible athletes to go into a world which technically doesn't look like theirs, but actually is precisely where they will fit in even more than anywhere else. It's fast paced. Super competitive, obviously, um, and with an element of modernity because you're creating the world tomorrow. So, I've seen the trends come from the US. Obviously, it's usually as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten years ago, you know, athletes started investing heavily in tech, mainly because it was exciting, it was buzzing, it was uh, it was sexy. Let's just say, but also with you know huge risk, but incredible rewards uh, for some of them, which is very attractive. And I get that. But now I'm seeing more and more athletes, not only using their capital, but using who they are as people, influencer marketing power, obviously, uh, and and combining both. But there's a good example of a French startup that we're quite friendly with, uh, Sorare, who not only uh, accepted investment of Serena Williams through uh, Serena Williams Ventures, but on top of that gave her a board seat. I mean, look, you can count on, on your hands the number of so impactful athletes like her in the last 100 years. She's just an incredible beast of, of, of resilience and drive and ambition and charisma. Yes, get her in a boardroom so that she can influence positively, uh, start from within, not just using her capital, not just using her influence for power, which is the icing on the cake. But the true gold about her for me is her sitting around the table and helping founders build an incredible company. And I think that, that trend we are literally just trying to make it more uh, to, to democratize it. That really is the, sort of the mindset that we've got.
0: And it is. it sounds very much like a win-win. It's a win for the founders because they surround themselves with the people that have this mindset and that can really enable growth. But it is also a win for the athletes. And speak 100%. a little bit about the the post-retirement future where most athletes retire 37, 40 for the best. And they really have no other option than to stay in their little niche uh, in, in their sport. Or now they do have an opportunity to do, to provide much more to society.
1: I couldn't agree more. There's also a reality that, you know, most or 70%, if you want to put a percentage roughly of series A, series B startups that, that crash are due to people issues. Co-founders that can't stand each other, managers that don't grow enough, lack of belonging, uh, um, an impossibility to retain talent, a complexity to recruit the right talents to. I mean, look, you guys all know, all know those issues where who better than sporting winning dynasties to influence exactly, precisely those problems? so we're trying to solve that by in two folds using elite athletes to break the imposter syndrome of a Nikola Karabacic for instance who told me "No, but look tech might not be for me because I'm not really good with a computer well trust me there's not only coders and developers in the tech company there's also managers and people you need to create a, a sense of 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 belonging collective success mindset because those are the companies that are going to thrive um and but also athletes that are, could have access. You know, I'm more talking about sports that were less exposed to uh, economical benefits or Olympic sports mainly. I mean, I think it's seventy percent of of the the Olympic um, sporting group a uh, year post Olympics who uh, live under minimum wage. It's, it's it's just, just insane. It would to believe. Insane. It is hard to believe. But look, a, a wrestler who will give up his entire livelihood for four years to potentially go and gain and represent proudly France in the future Olympics, is that not exactly what a founder's role is? You need to see the long-term reward. You need to graft and go over and beyond what is almost humanly uh, capable just for the, the idea of potentially in a few years' time, I will have my reward and I will have my thing. So all those parallels are there to be, to be be to be created, but we're trying to be that bridge we're trying to bridge elite sports with elite tech to impact positively the people within the, the the companies, but also people in general by investing only in, in impact
0: um, uh, targeted missions. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit. Just poke on the idea. I I understand that there's a brand power to have Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, and Nadal investing in, in your startup. And I would argue that if they continue doing a volume investment, it won't be as sexy and cool anymore, right? So it could be just a temporary trend. But what you're speaking about is really uh, leveraging their skill set to really build the building blocks, the foundational structure, so that the company can really scale. Uh, my concern or my, my questioning is, how can they truly understand that DNA of startups when they come from such a different world, right? From the outside, it seems... Uh, so far from the day-to-day life, you know, tell us a story of how uh, when you share your interactions with top athletes, do do they get it? Do they understand the business side? Do they understand what's what's expected of them? You know, just give us a, a bit insights uh, on behind the scenes.
1: So I think you you've you've got it spot on in the sense that it doesn't apply to all moments of the startup at all sectors, at all geographies, at all products. Of course, there will be some... some some details that will have to be defined. That's why we started to focus mainly on series A, series B, with the moment where the people problems happen, basically, when they come. It's incredibly hard to apply to precede moments where you've got a PDF, a founding team is still working on something else at the same time. And you can't talk about employee well-being when there's no employees, right? It's a, it's a bit complicated. Um, to boost a team without the team is, 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 is mission impossible. The reality is that there's an imposter syndrome that's almost bilateral so it's founders too who tell me no but sportsmen are not interested in, in what i'm doing because it's it's i'm, I'm, I'm nobody to them well when you're a, a french unicorn founder and you employ a thousand people and you created you know a multi-billion valuation uh, company that's impacting positively the planet yes, sportsmen will be delighted to speak to you because they think it's an incredible achievement. But also, like I said to you, sportsmen, we said, I'm not really good at IT. I can't really go into the tech world. Well, there's a lot more to it. Now, there is an element of, of, of questioning, which is quite healthy, I think, um, because that's down to humility to say, where will I be the most relevant? Where can I help the most? But, the, the complexity of recruitment, of retaining talent, of um, employing well-being, of creating a sense of belonging, um, has just for me been a revelation. I did not comprehend the depth of issues that are in all those startups that we find that, that we found um, of, of how complex and how lacking of solutions they were. But also, people don't realize how much a wealth it is in sporting winning dynasties. They think that we rely too much on talent, on technique, on strategy. You look at sporting winning dynasties; they absolutely were built and were uh, relying extremely heavily on team culture, team belonging, team resilience, team uh, chem- chemistry. And so, there's there's a lot of biases that need to be broken to no disrespect cut out the shit and go to the real problems and once you get all the 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 sparkly things out of sport, and you realize what it is, what is the gold out of sports you start to understand when you get all the, the the valuation numbers and the product and the marketing and the pricing and the strategy out of the of the out of the startups and you realize what is gold about them what really makes them different which for me, in my mind, there's a huge chunk of it which is down to culture and values and team spirits. Then you realize that those two worlds have absolutely everything to win by collaborating.
0: I want to double click on this; is so important. And I also had a revelation by working on, on a deal together. And um, uh, you 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 put in in evidence something that I would completely uh, uh, underlooked or overlooked. Uh, is, is the idea to talk to the employees beyond the leadership when you do an assessment of a startup. And the culture, of course, is set by the leadership early on, but it's diffused by the rest of the, the, the employees, right? The, the first 10 employees is the foundation for the next 100 employees, and the next 100 employees is the foundation for the next 1,000. And if you really want to scale, you need to set up a culture that is properly diffused and adopted by those early early employees. When you do a people score assessment, you talk to those 10, 50, the next layer, not just the top top leadership and you manage to get a, a, a deeper assessment of the actual company culture. Um, can you speak a little bit about how you conduct this, how does that work effectively and how you manage to, to score it?
1: Yeah so that's that's our secret sauce right I, I can I can do all the motivational speaking that you want. we need to be backed back that intuition with facts, with data, with metrics. And that's what we've created. So we created a toolbox, which is in three folds. And like you say, it's the the it's the it's people first audit, which is called score. Then it's the best out of sports, which is called boost. And then the, the you refer to it as sort of uh, finding a talent pool to, for, for recruitment called match. But let's focus on score. To bring something so intuitive, we need to do a huge, a tremendous amount of work to create an audit that is relevant enough to not only apply it to our investment strategy, but also to be a picture that I will use to then to take the best out of sport to fit exactly the needs that need to be there. You need, you need that assessment. And so we're lucky enough to have uh, within Teampack to have Sarah Jalot, who's a partner at Teampack, who's a former, um, how do you say, Um Fencing. Fencing. Uh, Fencing, absolutely fencing champion. But on top of that, she did a, a, f- a famous French business called say, and did Polytechnique in, in data science. And she's created an entire project and she's, she's done an brain. absolutely tremendous, a tremendous job. And scores in twofold is quantitative data, but also qualitative data that you mentioned. But before we went to qualitative data, we look at the quantitative, the type of turnover. Turnover isn't bad, but the type of turnover. Absenteeism. You can even do some psychological profiling on founders. Um, any employee or management surveys or f- 360 degree feedback on leadership that's been done before, uh, the type of recruitment, every single compensation scheme to look if there's inequalities, um, the recruitment strategy, the, you know there's so much data out there that if it's combined and analyzed and she goes through five hypotheses, it gives you that score. But that score is all backed by qualitative data. We need to speak to all the founders. Obviously, we need to speak to most managers. But we do go absolutely at the bottom of the pile to and pick randomly uh, some 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 employees to really see on the ground what is happening. So it's extremely intrusive. It's it's quite a, a tremendous amount of work for for Sarah, but it is absolutely part of our investment decision. It's the additional due diligence that we oppose ourselves post the traditional. Um, you know sort of VC uh, due diligence it is our investment green light red light strategy but on top of that it is the the it's the foundations it's the proper mapping that will allow me to have a more precise and impactful uh, boost program
0: and and I want to again this is why I had such a revelation because in principle I am with you but in in effect and I want to you know double click on one example where our, our more traditional VC would look at the qualitative aspect, right? The micro trends, is the market expanding? How much return can we expect? Or market share of, you know, taking away from the incumbents? Uh, do we, we do assess the leadership in depth. We spend time with them. We're almost psychologists, you know, trying to understand why they're in it. Are they going to stick to this mission for at least five to 10 years? You know, do they have what it takes? Do they have this, this level of crisp vision as those outlier founders have? But we don't have the capacity to go beyond, and this is where it creates, you know, those uh, dead angles. You know, the things that we cannot see as a traditional VC, and this is where Team Pact really, really impressed me because you managed to, to, to by talking to the second, third layer, identify things that we are completely uh, overlooked. And I also want to emphasize the fact that uh, all companies want to establish the best company culture, but must struggle with it. It's a very tough thing to do. Uh, I'd argue that most organizations out there are probably not great. Employees join the company with stars in their eyes. They have a burning desire to change the world, but quickly they become disillusioned uh, that things won't change because of a broken culture. But at early stage, seed and series A, there's still a chance to identify the problems early on and have a true external impact on the culture. Let's, Let's run through an example together. Right of, of of a company, and we won't name them. Um, you know the uh, and how critical it can be to advise the company early on to make those those shifts. Uh, for for example, there's the the conditions right of uh, uh, noise and and light. You know in in an office that can definitely affect the morale. There's also the fact that. Um, because of the shift in the strategy, the recent pivot of a company can really affect the morale of the early employees that were onboarded with their original vision, but they're not necessarily board the next, the pivoted one. Anything else you know, that you can run as, as examples that really affect, and the fact that people continue going to work, but they just don't deliver as much value. So- So I I
1: think for for one, all those questions have to occur when everything's going fine, when everything's perfect, when the sun is out and, you know, and you've got the motorway in front of you to success because when the storm is here and if you try to solve problems, then you are doomed. Mm
0: -hmm. It's
1: like being thirsty. When you realize you're thirsty, you've already already lost 30% of your energy reserves, right? And that's not me saying it. It's just science and culture is the same thing. People that pre-pandemic were saying, "Oh no, we're gonna not gonna waste too much time in it and stuff." That they're they're not joking about it anymore, right? They're realizing too late that it would have been a tremendous asset to have to bring a, a company to be more resilient, more sturdy, more, um, you know, uh, almost to talk about um, employee loyalty. Um, and so that's why also I just want to underline the true the truly important element of the the element of score is the intent the intentionality of the founders if they don't want to do it mm. there's no chance in the world that any program will ever ever, ever uh, see fit um they are hugely precious with their time maybe precious is the time isn't in, is in the word but you know what I mean they're extremely careful with their time they have a company to build they
0: have they, to be.
1: I also they have to be, and they should be, right? Um, but I also discovered that the reality is those founders need to choose who, which investors they're going to allow to, to come in. So we need to be picked. And all of them are super, super excited about, about what we can bring because it's an element that's normally not on the table. So the idea is that if we don't have open doors to go truly implement what we want to go, we don't even go, either by the company structure, either by the internationality about of, of the founders but there's a ton, ton more things that can be um, uh, sort of put in place that are, to be honest, they're not rocket science. They really are not because we can't p- t- take too much of their time because they have uh, you know a million things uh, on the agenda and they need to be applicable from the, from, from the very next day. But if I'm a consultant that has read things in books, I do not think tech is the place where I will find legitimacy. But if my track record kills out any doubt of how legitimate I am to, to bring those, those motions forward because I've done it before. And there's the element of skin in the game of put your money where your mouth is, which really defines us because we could have been another consulting uh, company easily. We could have been an auditing company for the People First score. I could have been a leadership development company uh, just on myself by myself uh, or a, a consultant. And we could have done a recruitment company. Absolutely. The idea of us being investors is our key differentiator the idea of skin in the game you know if it if it burns it burns if it smiles and smiles for all of us really uh, positions ourselves as help as co-investors as part of the team rather you're than part of the people team. telling
0: you what to do absolutely you're team members and you uh, team pact are team members but your extended network of athletes also is how do you, how does this incentive structure works really and how do you source them how do you how do you assign them on on particular deals is it sector by sector or is it a uh, i guess the barrier of language as well
1: oh there could be the barrier of language but to be fair to them all the athletes that we talk to are pretty um, international in the in either in their career paths or in their mindsets um no first we we only want <clears throat> None of the athletes that come to us look, venture is, is high risk, high reward overall. If they they're not taking 80% of their earnings and putting it into venture, it is, you know, the, the, the last bit of what they do, and they're the risk takers. So they only want to apply the, the main thing that they look at uh, at is, is the mission. The main thing that they look at is the product, they want to contribute to something positive. So the number one question that we ask them is that what do you want to do? How do you want to use your capital, yourself, or your image? To positively impact the world if that's what you want to do but every single one of them is is a yes and so we try to apply um the matching of the elite sportsmen to the proper companies pending on 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 their on their heart really on where they want to go but we do it in folds. we use smaller t- minimum ticket size uh, opportunities for athletes but even smaller ones if they actually create what i call a board of champions which is the, the, how they're going to support the founders and the mindset that it is, it doesn't need to be lonely at the top. The isolation of the star athlete and the isolation of the founder for me is absolutely equal. Once a company thrives, once a company gets big enough, you cannot have your founder to be, you know, um, admitting exactly where, where he is. And that's why I've got a big element of my boost program, which is the power of vulnerability. You need those, those, um um uh, overachievers to be able to share and to you know un, un, unburden themselves from time to time and there's nothing better than athletes who who've been there who've done it in a different um in a different track yes but they have excelled and the, their legitimacy will never be touched so there's the the board of board of champions for the for the the elite athletes and there's also boost for the managers and there's a recruitment side with match
0: Let's um, let's take that opportunity to zoom out from Team Pact and and this particular project. But I, I want to talk about the, the critical role that athletes have to play in the fight against climate change. They do have the celebrity effect. The fact that their brand carries weight, probably even more than political leaders these days. People associate to to athlete brands more than they associate to corporate brands or even political brands. Um, let's touch on two timely topics for example that keep coming back where athletes are increasingly associated with the problem of climate change and need to face the responsibilities i wanted to to get your opinion for example flying private jets are you in favor or or not some say that it increases performance and it reduces time but do do you think more more athletes should just stand up and say we don't want that crap anymore let's just cut them off
1: well, look, th- this was a couple of weeks ago uh, with, unfortunately, the example of what happened with PSG uh, and Kylian Mbappé just bluntly, uh, you know, laughing at, at the idea of the potential, them taking the train to go to take an hour and 45 train to get to Nantes. Did you, I don't know if you, you heard that. That's right. For me, that was that was a missed opportunity. The reality is that in my mind, PSG can't take the train. Because otherwise you will have 750 tanks following them for security anyway, that the, the carbon footprint is not going to be uh, any better. But it was a moment to put, address the problem. And they, even mm-hmm. if Pepper yeah. says, I wish I could take the train. I wish there was a solution for us to do it. That brings an entire population or French population to say, right, let's find solutions to, to sort it. Not bluntly laugh about it and say, oh, you guys are dreamers. It's never going to happen. I think sport is there to push the movement, to get some, some velocity about it. They're there to lead by example, to get the conversations in every single room, because there's not one thing, oh maybe music or arts or whatever you want to say. But for me, sports really unites the world in such a unique way. It opens every door, it breaks every, um, every wall, and it absolutely opens up every, uh, every border in just an absolutely unique way and we see it again and again so it has the power to impact the world because it has the impact the the power to unite the world and the reality is that i think i was hearing chris saka talk about lower carbon capital and say if there's 250 million people in the world that want to save the planet we're doomed we need 6 billion or we need 7 billion this is what we need to do and for me I don't see much sport, another way than sport to unite those people, to 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 you know to switch a light into everybody's to everybody's head. So, it's a huge drive. Sports has got a moral responsibility to do to do it. I I don't have a private jet jet, and if I did, I wouldn't fly it sixty times over the summer, like I heard a couple of guys do. So, and that, is, you've got a responsibility to put the conversation in the mouths and on the tables of people who ne- n- normally would never even consider it.
0: And there's the idea of a, a pre-retirement. So the, the athletes that are really at the top of their game and already very active. And this is where probably the brand shines the, the lightest. And then the post-retirement ones that seem to be inclined to be more responsible, more mature and get involved in, in this type of activities you do. Do, do. Is your role as well to to to, to, to shine this light to, to, to those guys that are still active? because they all have the capacity to to deploy capital and they, they want more exposure uh, we can drop some names. you may, you, manage, uh, you mentioned so rare. So rare was a bit of a party round with a, a lot of athletes that just invested in it. Uh, you're doing deals with very, very prominent uh, still active athletes. Is, is this uh, something that you're pitching to them? Uh, stand more for, towards sustainability and use your associate your brand to the right to the right brands. Uh, make sure that you can influence your club or your organization with what is acceptable and what is not as a sponsor. This is a conversation you're having.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's an idea of, we almost wanted to create a mini MBA, which it's a shame because uh, I would have not spent that much on mine a couple of years ago had I known that I could have sort of created it myself. But the reality is that for those guys who, who we give investment opportunities whilst getting their hands dirty, you know, going to the, to the, in, in, into the trenches with those founders, well, what, what is it? You offer them a network? Because all our LPs are extremely interesting, uh, overachievers that will be phenomenally happy to exchange to exchange with those with those uh, elite athletes. You're uh, exposing them to uh, startup exposure, which is everything that we did in those trips in my MBA. You go visit the companies, and you know, whilst you're abroad and all that, and every single door is open to them. And we also have a little element of content. There has to be a little bit of of teaching, a little bit of. Uh, um, uh, you know so, so yeah a little bit of content that needs to be fed to them for them to feel legitimate and and, and to put their money to work not in a blind way so we are mm-hmm. creating almost a, a track to a mini sporting mba through team pact by exposure to companies exposure to fantastic network investment opportunities and uh, etc so i we just want to make it again to, to democratize it We want to make it more accessible uh, to do so because if there's only ten elite sportsmen who you know had also the financial capacity to take those risks, who want to lead by example, it's never going to be enough. So it's just an idea of numbers, and we want to get to rally all everybody around our common uh, common goal.
0: Ben, I could continue this conversation forever. I just want to jump or into a rapid fire round before closing this this episode. Are you ready? Let's go. So the concept, you, you know, I will ask a, a two, you know, question with two options and you give me in a short short manner your preferred option. So the first question is really going back to the people score. Would you rather invest in a company that has great traction, commercial traction, and low people score or one that has a high people score but poor traction?
1: <laughs> um if we find through score that there's a real capacity for us to bring our best practices and our good people to boost that uh, that 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 score then we will go for the higher traction
0: fair enough when it comes to leadership versus employees quality what is the best predictor of a company's success
1: transparency vulnerability genuine care and sincere motivation
0: from the leadership or from the second tier employees
1: i would 100 percent say that from the leadership but like exactly like you said earlier it then drips off to the second tier yeah. employees who then need to follow on to that culture and i could add one last element which is a big item in in, in TPAC, which is the idea of the legacy is it my individual success or the the mission success that matters
0: and as i been so inspired by your model, and you're really approaching this industry with a different angle, would you say that the role of a VC should be more about business strategy coaching or more company culture coaching?
1: Well, to be fair, um, I think a bit of both. I just, I wish there was more players that would then uh go to us uh, or to sort of copy our model which is obviously a company culture more operational uh, support but we co-invest with a top of tier one funds that we consider do outstanding jobs and outstanding due diligence and our extraordinary operators so we want to feed off them it's all about the team spirit even down to the the co-investment strategy with other
0: funds and last question at which stage do you think can have the most impact on the company? Is it at the, the growth stage where there's already been years of knowledge and and, and, and and traction, or is it super, super early when the founders are still bendable?
1: Yes. So I, I didn't I sort of already answered that question, but it's more in the middle. It's more series A, series B, even though the series B of 10 years ago are probably the seed of now, but it's it's the moment where the strategy is is fixed. And, and the idea is is ready to scale um, and for us that's 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 going to be our, our mindset but I am definitely trying to go as early as possible within our capacity but our, our our phase one will be series A series b but the earlier the better we just need to adapt our methodology
0: any books or resources that you want to share to our listeners on on company culture or people scoring any want to start
1: oh look I I, I... I'm not a big reader, but I adore those books uh, over you know, <laughs> culture codes and uh, the rise of Superman and all those. But there's one super, super easy book, which was a bit of a revelation for me a couple of years ago. And I use it uh, quite a lot. It's called Legacy by James Kerr. And it really just tracks again how the New Zealand um, international rugby team called the All Blacks transformed everything about them by only one uh, mentality. Better men make better All Blacks. They're the only sporting team that I've ever come across who did not, when they, you know, we have a big brainstorming and we need to change. They didn't take or talk about uh, strategy. They didn't talk about technique. They didn't talk about their conditioning. They only talked about who they were as people and how they wanted to be recognized. And they then came came out with the 15 principles of the All Blacks, which which I adore. So it's, it's a very easy to read uh, book, but it's definitely worth the time.
0: Amazing. Thanks so much. And thanks so much, Ben, for this inspiring conversation and your personal insights. That's been a lot of fun. Absolute thanks pleasure. To all of you Thank guys. you so much for having me. Amazing. Thanks, all of you guys, for tuning in. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to another episode of Climate Insiders, the leading climate tech podcast in Europe. If you've enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe at climateinsiders.co. Climate Insiders is brought to you by Clementum Capital, a late C to Series A climate tech VC. To learn more by Clementum Capital, apply for funding, or become an LP, visit clementum.com. If you haven't already, sign up for my weekly newsletter. Along with receiving updates about each new episode, you will also get one actionable insight every Saturday to boost your career, fund, or startup. My newsletter is value-packed authentic and full of unique insights. This newsletter is also the best way to join our growing community of climate investors. We found that building a community is probably the ultimate force multiplier, and it gives us the momentum we need to create profound change. Let's share and collaborate. I'm just here to empower you to get started and set you on a path to success so our collective ideas can flourish and expand. Come join us to drive huge impact.